Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Not the Boss of Me podcast. I am Jillian Davis, and you might know me from the Overtime Leader podcast or from my book, First Time Leader. I am here with Lucy, who is actually one of our guests today. So I interviewed Lucy and Rob, who work together at We Transfer. And Lucy, why don't we tell the listeners a little bit why we thought this was a good idea and kind of what's the point of this podcast series? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Maybe to try not to completely confuse everyone. So for some context, I also work at Overtime Leader with Gillian, looking after content. And we came up with this podcast idea and we thought who better than to test out this um, this scenario than me and my previous boss. Um, I think the reason that we really felt that this was an interesting angle is because it brings something fresh, I think, to management to also give someone the space um, and time after having, uh, you know, maybe you've gone and had a new job or you've started something new. Um, and then you can really reflect back on on that person that you would have generally always had a very close relationship with, maybe sometimes negative or positive, which I think uh, the insights that you can get from that are the reason that we got so excited about doing this podcast. I, I love it because I think it's an angle that we don't often see. And, you know, we had some really great offers, some volunteers who we're going to be interviewing over the next um, few episodes. And we are always looking out for, you know, people that feel comfortable having a, a reflection conversation with their former manager. Although I think Lucy and I did notice that there was a lot of, um, um, I guess, reaction of people where they wish they could <laughs> have a cathartic conversation with a more negative experience with a boss. And we're going to figure out a way that we can make that happen. But not the boss of me, I think is going to be a lot of, um, we're interviewing people that had a positive relationship together and kind of exploring well, what what was at play for that to happen. Mm. Oh, and I think definitely that. And then how, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have started with a negative relationship and somehow made that into a positive relationship as well. And I think that's that's when it starts to get really interesting when you have people that have, have gone through that journey or, or that turbulent relationship that then turns positive, that you can really get some interesting insights on how to develop that relationship and, and how you can kind of have that positive outcome. Exactly. Because, you know, there are those Tuckman's five stages of a team and it's not just about having this symbiotic relationship that's always pro. It's really healthy. And actually, we talk about it in the episode today with, with uh, Rob. It's healthy for, for a, a manager and their team member to go through a little bit of tension and conflict. And we want to understand, great, how did you move into that? Because if it, you, you know, like in dating, it can be hard to have the first fight and we dance around, we avoid it. Um, but eventually it happens. So how do you you know, lean into having that kind of tension? And then how did you get out of it? For sure. And I think also to add to this, and I'm sure you'd agree that actually your map, when, when you're a manager or when you're managed by someone, they have such a big impact on your life that with you today. And I think learning from those relationships is something that we probably don't talk about a lot. Very true. Very true. Welcome to the Not the Boss Me podcast, and I hope you enjoy 
the love fest that is the <laughs> and Rob management employee relationship. So I'm here today with Rob and Lucy who work together at WeTransfer. Why don't you guys start us off by talking through how that came to be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I joined WeTransfer in sort of early 2016. And then I think it was, I suppose, like autumn of 2016, uh, Damien, who was my boss, we had run this project with a uh, another sort of creative agency. <laughs> I don't think, I might, Lucy might be correct me on this, I don't think the project was a huge success. Um, but during the kind of process of it, he had come across this person and he said, oh, she seems really sort of bright and talented and might be open to a new opportunity. And then sort of the next thing I knew, you were there in the office kind of one morning and this sort of everything had jumped on about three phases. Um, and I think we spent a bit of time together and we kind of had a chat. And I remember thinking that you were obviously super talented and would be a really great addition. I think my first impression of you was that you didn't really want the job, that you were perhaps just on a sort of jolly to Amsterdam and <laughs> maybe you, didn't, you weren't that interested in working at Rechancellor. Um, but yeah, then then it kind of moved from there. And, and I, I guess you joined the team in sort of October that year. So, you know, you and I, almost all of my time at WeTransfer, we were, we were working together. <laughs> it's funny you say that because honestly, I was so desperate for the job. I remember like hounding Damien with emails and knowing that the project that we were doing before he hired me, like wasn't going well. Um, and being like, oh no, I'm going to, I'm not going to get the job now because this project's not going well. But I later realised that it was kind of more of a, uh, exercise that he wanted to try um, rather than him expecting these like huge results but yeah I guess the, the best thing that came out of it was that I got his email address therefore <laughs> I didn't stop emailing him until he let me come to Amsterdam. But I think that's a really interesting start to a sort of working relationship right in terms of you and WeTransfer you and, you and Damien in terms of like you know if the gazette my, my memory of the project wasn't a disaster it just like you say didn't kind of have sort of stellar results and I think the fact that you know your ability shone through sort of despite that is a really interesting you know introduction whereas obviously if there's a project that goes amazingly then sort of that's wrapped up in the people and the success so yeah I think in a way it's quite a sort of an ideal way to to be introduced to a company. I think also then in it was interesting of the hiring because Damien kind of just joked about it on the phone and then was when we had this call about this project and then said to me, oh, you know, email me if you would want to do something. And I kind of like went home that night and was like, oh, I'm going to have to email on my personal account and like try to write him this like witty email but and like try to seem quite cool. But then obviously I remember him being like, it's great, you're so keen. Um, I really love the enthusiasm, like keep it up. And I just remember thinking, oh God, this that's such like a nice way of saying like, calm down. And I'm not sure, I feel like the sort of, the battle between trying to be cool and your natural exuberance is at the heart of the Lucy Pike DNA. If I had to articulate the brilliance of Lucy Pike, it's sort of, yeah, partly stylish and on trend and partly sort of a giddy child that's drunk too much sugary squash. I mean that in a really good way. It's also funny you said I didn't, that you're not sure I wanted the job because... I remember having lunch with you and me still not really understanding the WeTransfer setup of like who would be my boss or anything that was kind of really going on. And I remember speaking to you at lunch and immediately 
really liking you, but us, I get, I guess, which is maybe where it comes from, but us not really like talking about work that much. <laughs> talking very much around like the idea of like moving to a different country and what that's like as for you, like personally. And and I remember, I, was, I remember like then having this feeling that I really got on with you because it it did feel that we were quite similar in terms of uh, moving different countries and moving out of London. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm naturally drawn to sort of salty Brits, um, and so you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I did the same. <laughs> and look, I think the truth is it wasn't super clear who would be your manager, and, and we may touch on this later, but I think you know, during your time at WeTransfer, I managed you for sort of the first six months, then you moved to somebody else, uh, one of our other colleagues, Stephen, and then you kind of came back to me a year later. So I think, you know, we were still, we were still sort of building that team as we went along. So I, I, so I don't think that was clear. You know, I think part of the dynamism of that time and the company was that sort of if we came across talented people, we we're able to sort of make them an offer and bring them in. Uh, it's very exciting, um, but doesn't work after a certain sort of point in a scale of a business, I think. So you guys obviously have a natural vibe together, which sounds like came across quite early on in the relationship. Did that help or hinder, or when did it help and when did it hinder the like management employee relationship? I feel like we had three stages of our, like how we work together. Grief, acceptance and denial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, the first phase was kind of me really finding my feet, like Rob was saying. It wasn't hugely structured at the start and there were a lot of big changes, definitely in the first like six months um, of me being at WeTransfer and trying to work out how how we brought photography and, and kind of also I think Rob you'd agree like figuring out what we present was and what we wanted to do I then as Rob said moved managers to Stephen which was a really big learning curve for me in terms of uh, Rob was very um, much more my comfort zone in terms of having an editorial background whereas Stephen um, was much more around like marketing and partnerships um, which was great but I think that actually because me and Rob naturally got on it gave us space to have some to kind of be friends and then I went back while he was my to Rob who then became a manager again which I think set us up in a different it was a different vibe than I think when I came back to be managed by you but I don't know if you'd agree yeah no I I think that's definitely true I mean I think it can go one of two ways when you kind of develop a friendship with someone that you manage and I've definitely fallen foul of this sort of the other way I think the one way the, the not good way is that you sort of become too close and then it becomes very difficult to, um, I don't know, disagree or sort of um, pull somebody up on something. But I think there's also, and that's often the way I think it's talked about, you're getting too close and that kind of thing. But I think there is a sort of, you know, managerial relationship where the chemistry is really good. And actually what that chemistry does is, I think, free you up to sort of disagree and um, uh, argue and and sort of... um, potentially have quite harsh words with each other because the, the chemistry becomes the context and you're like, well, I know this isn't personal. I know this is based, you know, in an hour's time, we'll be laughing at lunch over something silly someone said. Do you know what I mean? And I think that for me, our working relationship was a good example of, of that sort of friendship work relationship where it works. And I say, I've had experience of it not necessarily working, but um, I think for me, I mean, yeah, we definitely disagree. I, I can think of times where we were really cross with each other. Um, Sometimes mutually, sometimes you were across with me, sometimes I across with you, I think. But, but it always felt like the, that that wasn't going to be a kind of long-term problem because there was a sort of a, a trust and respect 
you know, underneath that, which was sort of a safety net, maybe? Mm. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely, if I look back on it now, of not working with you, and I guess it's kind of interesting that you guys look, they can look back on it on rose-tinted glasses, but I do think that the, the core, the core idea of it was having someone that you could disagree with, but you kind of knew that always you trusted in them as a person that what they were doing was always for a greater good or it was to push you or the feedback was never really um, to do anything but be constructive. And I think that that does make a big difference. And I don't think I've ever really had that trust with a manager before. I, I can't really then even explain like how you'd get there. No, no I'm, I'm not sure you can kind of superficially create it. I think if you don't have that sort of, trust with people i mean i i am sort of a, a convert to the idea that disagreement is really essential in close working relationships um but i do think i've also seen that used as a sort of an excuse for just um i suppose like can i say willy waving i'm gonna say willy waving willy waving <laughs> often kind of male you know staggy colleagues and i think that actually yeah i, I think what i learned from one of the things i learned from my relationship was, was that you know, you could have a friendship and it wasn't effective, you know, if I had to sort of really express my <laughs> displeasure about something or equally, if, you know, you were really unhappy about something, I felt like we always um, had the freedom to do that. But yeah, I, I'm not sure if that base level trust isn't there. I don't think you can sort of um, will it into being or, or pretend it's there. Was there anything intentional that either of you did as you started to build that trust to kind of accelerate it like was it was it conscious that you're like I want to establish trust with my manager or my employees so I'm going to do x or did it just kind of happen through time not from my side I don't I, I would wish that anything in my managerial style was that conscious or deliberate <laughs> um, I think I do like a I do like a sort of a um especially I'm saying this like a team spirit you know I like a, I've quite often you know work with small teams in larger organizations and I like to create a not a sense of us and them but a sort of a fierce pride around the work that we do and I think if someone buys into that they sort of automatically earn my trust and I think that was the great thing about Lucy was that you know you came in and, and you seemed to sort of grasp the opportunity and the excitement of what we were doing and you had super high standards which I really liked as well from the off so I don't think it was a conscious thing but but sort of you know you turned up and I think from the off I was like oh, okay this person gets it Therefore, the relationship will be built on that very solid foundation. I definitely had an idea of it almost feeling a bit too good to be true. Like, I remember some, like, now it's funny looking back because I do remember times being like, oh, God, is it it's surely too good to be true? Like, this must be like feeding into something, something bigger, or like all of a sudden I'm going to get something's going to happen and I'm going to go, oh, that's why he's done X, Y, and Z, nice thing. And I think I was always, I think at the start, I almost felt like, then maybe not suspicious, but like nervous that that somehow this like it was I was going to feel let down, and I think that was always really. I think looking back now, I'm very happy that I wasn't ever let down. It did that there was always it was always very genuine. Um, but I, but I think that's the that's the sort of tightrope act of that managerial style. We are in this kind of in this together. Is that I think it if at any time you start to show that that's a, a bit of a facade or that you're not fully bought into that, or, you know, you walk out after six months to go and get a different job, it, it's very fragile. So I think sort of, 
while I like it as a management style and I often think it gets the best out of people, there is a sort of a, sometimes a need to, to keep it up, right, and to maintain it, to show them, um, you know, this is what it's built on, I think. Mm. I'm curious to know, looking back, if there was something that you learned from each other, if there were any, like, aha moments through the working relationship that you still keep to this day? There is, I think, the biggest thing I learned about management at WeTransfer, and I only in the last sort of, I suppose, preparing for this podcast, actually, realised that it was sort of completely down to you, um, which is, you know, I think I've struggled a lot as a sort of young manager in terms of, you know, when do I sort of put my foot down on something and when do I give the team, you know, the space to be sort of empowered and, and be creative and, and come up with their own solutions. And I think that was sort of exacerbated when I worked with you, Lucy, because I'm used to running a team that's, that's really only two layers, kind of me and the team. And when you know, we promoted you after you and I worked together for, I'd say, a year, 18 months, something like that. Um, and that was the first time I've managed a team which had you know, me and then another manager and then the team. And I think that kind of brought into sharp relief this, this challenge of you know, where do you step forward, where do you step back? And I think what I learned working with you really clearly is that kind of, all of your all of your feedback as a manager broadly fits into one of two categories and one is one is like directions like this needs to be different <laughs> this needs to be done like this you know i know this or this is going wrong or this isn't good enough and i think i mean that's probably only about 10% of the feedback but it's really important when you feel strongly about something as a manager you deliver it that clearly and that sort of unequivocally. And I think that's also good for the person who's being managed in terms of their learning opportunities. Oh, okay, he feels really strongly about that or he's got some you know, experience which helps him understand that. The rest of the 90% I see as almost the way you know, directors give notes that they're suggestions. You know, they're, I'm not quite sure this is working or have we thought about doing it like this? And then you completely hand it over to that person. And, you know, I think, how I learned that with you, Lucy, was that, you know, so often you and, and you and the team would would surprise me by coming up with something, a solution that was better than I would have done. And so I think it's really vital to give that room. And I think, you know, it's a fantastic thing as a manager to watch your team sort of, you know, go way beyond what you would ever done or thought or, 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 or reimagine something in a different direction. Um, but the corollary of that is there does have to be times where you're super direct, super clear and, and and you don't sort of allow any, not discussion, but, you know, this is how this should be because X, Y, and Z. And so for me, that was a huge learning of like, be very, very clear about the type of feedback you're giving um, and understand yourself and make sure that the person you're giving the feedback to understands which of those two buckets it falls into. Love that. Sounds a lot like the leadership pendulum model. <laughs> That's for another day. Lucy, how about you? Mine is very, I think, insular in a way because it was one it was something that Rob has said to me that has taken many forms since and I think when he first said it I didn't I didn't really understand it and maybe that's why it stuck with me is that he said I had to learn to kind of harness my ego or like learn how to use it and I found that really tricky to get to grips with for a long time because I don't know. I think one, as a woman, I think sometimes it's kind of seen as you having an ego is something that sits kind of uncomfortably. I think I've also then had this idea that as quite a people pleaser. So um, then learning to 
kind of hone an ego is I found quite a weird concept. Um, but I think now it is taken lots of form since, but I think that was really something that has then shaped a lot of how I then kind of act in group dynamics. Also understanding that uh, because I have an ego, as everyone does, has a certain amount of ego, that um, I can it's not it's okay also if someone then doesn't agree with me or I'm not I sometimes my ego would kind of get the better of me and I think I'd feel quite defensive um which I hope now I've become a bit more aware of but it was really something I remember and I think Rob would probably remember my reaction I like I just couldn't get my head around the whole that piece of feedback and it's been interesting that that's been something that's really come up again and again where I've been like "Ah, I think that was quite I think that was my ego not me thinking about it in a rational way or feeling upset about something. And I think you've touched on something there, which, which I found really interesting and challenging as a manager. A lot of, I've managed a lot of women, a lot of my teams in, in both of my jobs where I've managed people have been women. And I think, whereas of course you can't like generalise about, you know, this is how you manage women as opposed to men or, or anything like that. But I do think there are sort of traits that you sometimes see in people. And I do feel that a lot of the women I've managed have been much less willing to sort of put their ego on the table than the men I've managed have been or I am as a kind of straight white man and I think that's an interesting sort of thing that you know you're very aware of not treating people differently but I think you do have to be aware there are certain uh characteristics that sometimes reoccur in people and I think being aware of that and and again not being sort of blindly like ah you're a woman so you will react (laughs) but but kind of being like oh it might be this and I think with you it absolutely was that yeah I mean I think it was a sense that, you know, there was always too many caveats and qualifications and, you know, you'd come to me and you'd say, well, I need to do this. And I am thinking like this, this and this. And I just like, yeah, yeah, you don't need to <laughs> like, run it. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting challenge as a manager as well. I think. And adapting like maybe the message because the audience will take that message differently um, because of that difference. I think that's really, really um, spot on. So you guys opened with a direct quote, this project was a bit of a disaster. You came together on a project that was a disaster. Were there any other um, disasters or memorable moments in your time working together? Rob will laugh about it, but there's that we had a week, too, I think you were there as well. We had a week in LA. Yes. And it was the worst working week of my <laughs> life. I just got promoted, was so excited about the fact that I'd like give, been given that opportunity and like Rob was so great about like standing back and, and letting me try and work out like what space I kind of wanted to take up with the team and, and I was really excited about like bringing these new processes and and I had this meeting where I'd completely overlooked someone who was a very integral part of the team and I had this mixture of feeling guilty like I'd let someone down that I was kind of letting everyone down and I just had this really up and down week of um of just feeling like I'm sure it's like imposter syndrome and um just not really knowing how to move forward or how, where I sat in that role and I'd say I think that's probably my worst week I can't then I guess in terms of like how Rob fit into that I think he um was very understanding and helpful but I think what it also then did I think we did come back and say after that Rob that 
think that you said you felt you maybe stepped too far back in some in that situation that then you felt like oh actually did I make you feel that you had retreated too far back and I wasn't and I felt like I was kind of swimming on my own a bit Mm. I mean it's a shame this isn't the video because I would be holding up my notes which say nightmare LA week of hell (laughs) 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 I wrote down as as one of my most memorable moments of work I I remember that week I do remember that week I think I had chats with both of you in the <laughs> Coach does both. I think there were a few things going on. I mean, I think, like you say, there was probably a bit of a bit of imposter syndrome. I think we made mistakes as managers that week. I think there was a couple of decisions we made that were probably not quite right. But it sort of layered on layer on layer, and you got more and more like destructive as the week went on. Um, and it was really tough. I remember it being a, a very challenging, yeah, not being sure, should I say something now? Should I wait until we're back in the office and say something? Um, you, you, you didn't seem in a sort of headspace where you were going to take a constructive challenge very well at that point, I don't think. Um, but my memory of the whole week is actually the very last half an hour of that week where you'd been this complete nightmare all week and then um, sort of <laughs> this is like a, like a petulant child and I'm, and I'm gonna use the defense like oh my god I just had jet lag I was really tired <laughs> <laughs> I, think you were, I think yeah I think there's a lot of frustration I'd say, I'd say there were definitely things that we could have done differently so, so we certainly um mm-hmm. some of the brunt of that <laughs> but the very last I remember the Friday afternoon you and I had to have a meeting about something else and we went into one of the meeting rooms in the office and I was a bit, I was pretty ground down by the whole experience of the week. And I was going, like, here we go. Um, and then you did something in that meeting. You, you basically had a suggestion in that meeting. It's kind of convoluted to go into now, but was so clear eyed and so brilliant and so innovative and genuinely changed the way we then ran the team for the next year. Mm. But I'm not saying the whole rest of the week dissolved. <laughs> I do remember <laughs> it vividly. Um, but it sort of, showed me again why I had such faith in you and why I was committed to sort of reflecting on what had gone wrong and how we could move past it like I just remember that I still remember that the sort of frisson of excitement when you laid out this plan and I was like yeah that's it that's absolutely sort of changes everything for how we run this team um so yeah so so my memory is is very much sweetened by that last half an hour I think Mm. yeah I would say the same for me it was like, I think it's also, we were having a lot of like bigger team meetings. We were talking a lot about, you know, how we'd work together in this larger team. And I think it was then once we'd got back into this smaller team and the dynamics of that, which was which was probably why I was at that point really excited to kind of take on and move. And once we'd come up with that new plan, it did very quickly. There was this, I remember we'd had this meeting before around um we'd had like a workshop about saying like yes and and I thought I couldn't really work out how that would happen until we had that meeting at the end and I felt like you and me once we'd kind of clicked into place this idea just started to like layer like upon itself and then it all started to make sense and so I would agree I had the same feeling of this very low moment but I think, but I think the great thing about it and, and I think this is a really important characteristic of, of someone who is yeah, I was going to say a joy to manage that feels over the top someone who is uh, <laughs> someone who is uh, good to manage is you, you're very very self-aware and I think that you know almost straight away I think the first meeting we had after that week you were sort of like 
look, hands up, I lost my mind for a bit last week. And again, you often made difficult conversations easier because of that level of self-awareness. Um, and I think as a manager, that can be a huge bonus when you don't have to be like convince someone that the way they came across was odd or difficult. <laughs> That's kind of done and we can move on and get past that. And so I think to give you credit, I think you you were sort of were able quite quickly to laugh at that um, and we were able to use it. And, and like you say, to slingshot into a new working relationship, which which was 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 very strong. So Lucy, was there anything that Rob did that kind of shifted how you work or how you you know, lead or manage going forward? Something I'm thinking about a lot at the moment, and I think it touches back to what we said before, is this, um, is this idea of being genuine and therefore people trusting you. And I think what I've seen or maybe started to learn is that actually it's very rare to have someone who you can really trust and, and it be and they're where what they're coming to do is very genuine and I think I have definitely taken on what Rob has kind of started which is this idea around you have to kind of really want to do something for a greater good it has to kind of be something that you feel is outside is less less about you and more something that you're kind of you and the team are pushing forward together and therefore that's when it gets really exciting and that's when you bring energy and people feel aligned and they feel that they can trust you and I think um, something that Rob always had a very clear vision that doesn't that doesn't mean that the vision didn't change or the values didn't change but the idea of how he wanted to work would always stayed very similar and I think that that really set up a clear expectation of how people in the team interacted and, and how they um, approached working. And I think that's what I've taken from it is that um, it's important to come from a very genuine place to have, um, to try and create a way to, for every single person in the team to feel um, valued and that they know that the overall goal and I and I think that is something that I probably never had before, and it's something that I think helped to sell all of us in the team into something that we were doing and feel excited about it. And so, really, that's telling that story. That doesn't mean it's fictional, but you know, having that that narrative really helped. I think for a lot of a lot of reasons. I think you have to live up to that story too. Mm, I think, yeah, for sure. I definitely it's something I learned from you. I think was that you would always call me out if my own sort of behavior or decisions didn't quite follow the story I'd been telling and that was very good for me to learn is that you can't get everybody to drink the Kool-Aid and kind of sell this grand world-changing narrative and well if you're going to do that then every decision you make that goes against that will sort of chip away at that trust and I think you you were particularly in our latter time working together you were you were so brutally direct at pointing out where you felt things were were not lining up in that way uh, and I found that really really useful it's, it's a reminder that you know I do expect a lot from my team but I'm quite demanding I think in terms of like I do want people to you know be a part of the team and sort of to live and breathe that but you have to live up to that as well that was a good learning that I took I think. Mm. so it's been a few years that you guys haven't been working together do you have any words of wisdom or bits of advice 
to share for the other before we close out? Yeah, my piece of advice is, is quite simple. And I think it's something I've actually said to you, you know, you and I are in quite regular contact. Um, uh, so it's something I've said to you in different guises um, over, over the time that we work together and, and subsequently, is that you, you're in the room because you deserve to be. And I think my biggest frustration of sometimes talking to you or like hearing about the work you're doing now is that is, is seeing that kind of underconfidence or second guessing come up again. I think, you know, your opinion is as, uh, you know, skillfully arrived at as anybody else's in the room. And you need to be confident about that and to know, like I say, that, you know, you're in the room on your own merit and people are lucky to, to, are lucky to be in that room with you. Uh, and, yeah, I hope you kind of always remember that. Mm. That's so. That's such a good piece of advice. I'm now so struggling with the <laughs> advice that I can give you that I feel bad that that was so good. I hope you were going to be like, oh no, she's so good, I can't think of anything. Um, <laughs> How's that ego um, doing? Was he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great thing. No, I obviously knew he wasn't going to do that, but now I'm, I feel so... I find it so difficult to then give you a piece of advice because I think sometimes I worry that then I have these rose tinted glasses on about you. And I guess I then, it's then even like talking today and I then see that it, that it wasn't, it's not, I'm like looking back and forgetting all the bad stuff. I think a lot of the majority of it was good. I think the only advice I can give you is like get in and, try and start managing the team again because I think um what you bring is so it's so unheard of and I remember writing that email to you and Stephen after I'd met that girl and she'd just been bitching about her manager for like an hour meeting that we had and I emailed both of you and said like it's so rare to have someone who you trust and is is genuinely trying to make you better and I felt really lucky that I would do that so I guess my only advice would be you need to start managing again because I, I think it I think you do bring a lot of stuff to people and in terms of my development it's been um you've been the biggest change I think so yeah I think that's my that could be my only advice thanks mate that's all right love it <laughs> thank, thank you both for being on today and also for being the first courageous guest for being on this you're not the boss of me podcast that's it for today. And if you have any other closing closing thoughts. I'm sorry to everyone that has to listen to this. Just mine and Rob's like love fest for each other <laughs> for half an hour. I'm quite conscious that we're quite quite big fans. I don't know if we should give a caveat that we do we do have a bi-weekly meeting where we talk about uh, work stuff. So I've definitely made sure that he um, can't get rid of me. <laughs> still somehow is still my manager. Still manage, <laughs> I mean, that's more, you might have, might have more check-ins than some actual employees. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. And he's always very good. He's never late. Oh, that's good. <laughs> good job, Rob. 